0: Hey there. Welcome to our AP Legal Zone podcast brought to you by AP Lawyers. We are your top picks for all weekly law updates, including family, immigration, wills, and estates law. Just a friendly reminder, we are not your lawyers and everything contained in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and not to be construed as legal advice. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay connected with any updates and get notified about our new episodes
1: hello i Angela Princewell
0: and I'm Shereen Abdi.
1: I'm Tvinda Barlas and we are back to talk about uh, maximum parenting time so we're just talking um, about uh, a, pre- a, a separate topic and we were in a conversation and we thought, you know what, we really need to put out this content very quickly. And we know that um, this is something that's weighing in a lot on our clients' minds. So we want to be able to talk about how much parenting time you can get and what are the factors that a court or an arbitrator would be looking at. And most especially your settlement focused lawyers, what we, we will be looking at when we try to negotiate um, parenting time that's the maximum and in the best interest of the child. So I'm being very careful here because in the past, we would say, we would throw out words like maximum contact principle. First off, this has been taken off of the Divorce Act of Canada, so it's no longer really a thing. But what we're talking about here, specifically in the Divorce Act, it says when allocating parenting time, the court will give effect to the principle that a child should have as much parenting as much time with each spouse, parenting time with each spouse, as is consistent with the best interests of the child. So there's two parts to this. One, the child would have as much time with each parent, but it must be consistent with the best interests of the child. So I think this should be. Do you think that do I do we even need to explain that sentence? Or do you guys what do you guys think? Is it self explanatory? Because it sounds that way. I think to
0: it be. will be self explanatory if. We talk about the best interest of the child, but I think the sentence is gonna make as much sense as it's gonna make right now.
1: Okay, that's that's I, I like that. So where the child is and um, when we're con a lot of times um people come to us with this concept of 50-50. So Tabina, I I know you do a lot of parenting matters mm-hmm. and As you can tell, there's nowhere in the act that anyone has a presumption of 50-50. So I, I would like you to just kind of weigh in on that based on your experience.
2: So basically, I mean, I've been on both sides of the table, Angela, I should say. I've been uh, the lawyer where I'm requesting uh limited parenting time for my client. And on the other side, I've been a lawyer asking for the maximum contact. But I have to say that when when you're asking for a limited contact with uh between the party, between the other party and, and your child, um you have to take into consideration the the risks of harm to the child, right? So um, unfortunately there, there are clients that come in that are victims of domestic violence. And while that is uh, that is considered, it's not one of the factors. Domestic violence on a spouse is different than the risk of harm to the child while the other parent is in a caregiving role, totally different, right? Um, so, uh, I mean, it yeah so <laughs> to begin yeah. off uh, to begin i'm i'm just going to say that i've been on both sides um and it's sometimes you, there are two sides of the argument
1: yeah sure do, do you want to weigh in on sort of any background comments Yeah, I
0: mean, ideally, like, the question is, you know, I want to spend, you know, you'll meet with someone who says, I want to spend as much time, you know, or I want primary care and I want majority parenting time. And to be honest, the only test that you're required to meet is in what is the best interest of this child. So it's a non-exhaustive list. We'll go over essentially the different factors. I think that's very important. Um, But there's going to be given considerations to multiple different things. It's not just one thing that you're going to look at. And I think that's the important consideration is people are like, well, how do I get parenting time? How do I get more time? How do I do this? What's in the child's best interest? That's the test that you have to meet. And then factoring in, obviously, it's case specific, depending on, you know, the circumstances of each party, the living arrangements, the, you know, the ability to be able to care for the child. So all of these things need to be taken into consideration.
1: So, you're saying when your clients come to you and they say, I want 50 50, you're going to tell them, Well, it depends on what's in the child's best interest. And that is <laughs> the correct answer, really, because the act of the act, kind of lists out what is what should be considered in the best interest of the child. And the very first thing is the physical, emotional, and psychological safety and well-being of the child. So I think, again, that's one of those statements that goes without saying, right? Is how much time with you is good for their physical health? And I I think that will tie into what Tamina was talking about, violence to the child, if that's something that existed. But the psychological one is, I think, something that the legal community, we we struggle with a lot, right? And I know I've been on on those discussions as well, where at one point I'm the person arguing that it's not good for the child to have this relationship, but more often than not, I'm, I'm arguing that it's essential to have that relationship because not having a parent in a child's life. You know, could could would not
0: be good for them psychologically in a lot of cases, right? Yeah, of course. I think even recently you dealt with a case where it it probably was a big psychological factor not to have parenting time with dad. The child was, you know, identifying it at a different gender, and it became very problematic for father to accept that. So psychologically the child did not feel comfortable having parenting time because father had not accepted the transition. And there's multiple, you know, obviously different scenarios where this could play a factor, but there's always ways in which it psychologically, yes, it's, it's great for the child to have contact with both parents, but then in, you know, certain situations like the one I just mentioned, it actually might do more harm than good.
1: Yeah. That's that's uh, Yeah. I did forget that case. That's actually a very, that's a good point because in that case we, strongly believe that, that you know dad that either needed to adjust his um thinking or parenting time needed to stop in 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 that case so um another factor so that's sort of the general um thought behind it right so what's the, how keeping the child safe and and secure and making sure that their well-being is protected is really at the core of it. So in, in determining that, the court would look at the child's needs. And I want to, I'm I'm going to mention this and we'll kind of talk about that. So the child's needs, um, give the child's age and stage stage of the development and, and their need for stability. So when we had um our conversation a few weeks back and we're talking about parenting plan, I know this is something that we talked about, I mean there in terms of a child's age and how that could factor into sort of a parenting plan. And it looks like this is some, you know, a factor in determining the child's best interest. What do you think?
2: Absolutely. So I mean, child's need an uh, age, I, I think they go hand in hand. So if you're talking about an infant child who's breastfeeding, that's different. Um, And you may as, as a parent have limited contact uh, at that stage of the child's life, versus mm-hmm. if a child is 12 years of age, you know, um, and they're more, they're a little bit more independent. That's when and I'm, kind of tying it to the the other factor about their views and preferences but really that's what they we mean by the child's need and stability is is very important so right now um, I have I have a case where there's been a lot of instability in the children's life they're two and and eight years old um, mm-hmm. and there's been a lot of moving around right so you the courts do look at which parent can provide the most stable environment for their children?
1: Yep. Nitro, sure do you have anything you want to weigh in on that?
0: Yeah, no, I mean, just to maybe touch on Tibinda's point, obviously, you know, the best interest of an infant child is going to be different. You know, while you might want equal amounts of parenting time, it just might not be feasible. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. with an infant, the kind of details that you need, the logs, how often did they change, the diaper feedings, the consistent communication that's required and the, the biggest consideration is of course if that if those priorities do not get along it's going to be quite I mean in my opinion difficult to ascertain if the child's well-being and welfare is being looked after especially if they're an infant child that requires that consistent and very detail-oriented communication versus you know a 10-year-old who can advocate hey I'm hungry you know mm-hmm. uh, you know I, I have to do this like it's it's obviously quite easy in that sense, you know, I mean, hopefully, um, but ideally, it's just getting a little more realistic in terms of where the child is at the current stage that you guys are coming to speak to the issue of parenting. If you're separating with an infant child, you know, it might look a little different for the first couple of, you know, months to years versus, you know, a child that's, you know, two or three, you know, and so just taking in consideration the age of the child and, it's, it's an important factor. Yeah.
1: And the need for stability, right? That you guys have touched on earlier as well. I mm-hmm. like, I really like that one. It resonates with me a lot because I have clients with older kids that maybe have children that are on the spectrum. So while you can have a child that's, you know, one child that's 10 years old and can run rogue and do whatever, for another child that's on the spectrum, you need to really manage that you know, their bedtime routines mean so much more than for another child or, you know, a kind of the walk back from school for them is, is, Takes a higher level of importance in some cases than it will, so we need to look at sort of that stability and need. And we could go on and on about needs. Like I just, I think I should move on um, because I just <laughs> so many examples just come to mind. You know, children having allergies and things like that. So when you guys are, are speaking on the depth level of communication required. That's that's a factor. Now, I don't want to give, again, this impression that the fact that it's an infant means that 50 50 parenting or, if you know, is is not an option or maybe if it's a case of a childbirth fitting that dad cannot have more time. Again, we look at that child specific situation. If you guys are actually able to communicate in that level of detail, absolutely, why not? But I'm gonna. I said I was gonna stop there, so I will. Let's. We'll talk about the next factor um, in considering a child's best interest: is the nature and strength of the child's relationship with each spouse, maintenance of the child's relationship with the other spouse and the um persons that play an important role in the child's life so the second factor sort of looks at all the relationships around the child and i i think this is this is pretty important stuff right
0: oh absolutely for example if you you know if there's an ability or inability for mom to be able to adequately facilitate time to dad because i don't know she hates him and doesn't want anything to do with him and specifically interferes with his ability to parent this child, it's a factor because if mom can't make sure that dad has parenting time, maybe dad should be in the position of making decisions, respecting that child or have a majority of the parenting time. If he's able to facilitate a more meaningful relationship, you know, we understand that parties don't get along all the time, but you have to look at what's in the children's best interest, not your best interest. And while you might think that, you know, you might know the other party Well, what what's in the child's best interest that's not the factor that the court determines you know so the ability to make sure that you're able to maintain a relationship or your chil- child or children be able to maintain a relationship with the other party is important as well as this relationship to siblings so for example if you're not allowing parenting time to dad and you know dad has two step kids that grew up with the children you know, primarily they have a strong bond and it's affecting their ability as well, as well as the child's ability to maintain that connection, that's going to be a factor. So it's not all dealt with in a vacuum in terms of, you know, this is what needs to be looked at, but these are real relationships. Another recent example is I had a grandparent um that essentially was with this child for 12 years. So upon the separation it was it was undoubtedly the child was actually 12. So for those 12 year period this entire time the grandparents were vital parts in the child's life. So it's important to make sure that the maintaining those strengths and relationships between those children and obviously the grandparents is very important
1: Yeah. We not
2: anything? <laughs> yeah actually i just want to um, on on uh mentioning the grandparents i just had an uh, interesting court appearance the other day uh on a matter where both parties were working full-time and at the time that their youngest son youngest child was born um the grandparents moved in with paternal grandparents moved in and the judge uh really said we want parents to be parents. Yes, it's important for the child to have a a relationship with the grandparents. Um, And when both parents were working, they may have looked after the kids, but now the circumstances are different. The Parties have separated. Now the dad or the mom cannot rely on their parents to raise the child, right? Like if they're working, they got to think about um, other avenues such as daycare and and stuff. So, I mean, it's interesting uh, when you, it's, again fact specific but it's interesting uh when you go to court and you listen to the judge's point of view on on you know uh different
0: judicial.
2: yeah judicial yeah yeah
1: no that's that's definitely true and that's i think um that's why again you know alternative dispute resolution processes are are probably ideal mm-hmm. when dealing with parenting um issues but yeah you did on, on talking in talking about that you kind of touched on the sec- on the third point which it's great that each spouse's willingness to support the development and maintenance of the child's relationship with the other spouse. And you know, you talked about the siblings there. So there's a B and C kind of tied together because yes, it's important to be able to facilitate this relationship. So when we're thinking, and again, remember the focus here is we're looking at what is the, the amount of time that this child should have with each parent. And I, I can't stress this enough. People come in with preconceived ideas. Most times people just say, yeah, so like every, you know how usually when people, you know, divorce, you know, he gets every other weekend and I get, like, there's no usual, you know, there's really no usual. People have clients tell me like, oh, my friends, yes, they just don't have parenting time. Like it just, it it doesn't work that way, right? So you don't know what factors existed in their case. Or maybe they just had one parent that wasn't as particular as as your, your ex and really the, that person wants to have maximum time. So, you know, if we're talking- Again, maximum time here. I always refer to 50 50 because I'm imagining where both parents are, we're not trying, there's nothing weighing in favor of one particular parent. So there's both equally capable parents. They both want equal amounts of time with the child. Well, is that really in the child's best interest, right? It might be maximum time for both parents, but is it best for them? So I'm going to jump to D, the history of care of the child. We spend so much time on this one, Debbie. I'm going to let you jump in on this because so many, I think a lot of time is spent talking about the history of care of the child.
2: Exactly. So in a case where, and I'm going to use a mom and a dad, right? Where a dad is working full-time mom uh, with an agreement, uh choose to remain home Um, if she is the parent that is dealing with the basic necessities of the kids you know picking them up dropping them off at daycare or school um, you have to look at uh, I know for a lot of people uh, well my my partner wasn't present at the time of birth that is something different that's not really what the court look at but yes they they do look at the fact that okay who has uh historically really taken care of the child right but they also take into consideration okay if one parent is staying behind taking care of the kid while the other party is is really earning to put some food on the table so there exactly. there's some compromise
1: yeah i think i've 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 taken issue with that myself in the past where i'm like well the arrangements people make when they're together, the considerations are different. And Mm -hmm. hey, I make those arguments too. You know, dad took the kids to all the, the doctor's appointments and did all the dentist appointments and, you know, did all the nighttime routines. And those are very important and special moments, but it might've been okay in the context of when you were together. I have, and I know, Shereen, that's been your experience as well, where we've had clients where they would just, they, they they actually change their schedules. I have had clients that actually would take a pay cut to not have to travel as much because now they're separated and they want to be present. So holding sort of the history of the care of the child, while it's important, we need to remember that all of these things we're talking about are factors and we, we the court's going to be weighing all of these factors. And so the fact that you've done everything in the past may be relevant to you being, you know, having more time and the other party having less time, but it doesn't necessarily have to play out that way, right?
0: Yeah, I'll say in a way that judge put it to me, what you did while you guys were together and while everything is, he called it hunky-dory, that's Mm -hmm. not what we're dealing with now. And a separation is a new leaf that must be addressed. And essentially what he's saying is, Whatever the status quo may have been, and it could be relevant to the circumstances of understanding what is in the best interest of the child, but it doesn't mean that, you know, if historically dad has been watching the child, that historically, that, sorry, ongoing, that dad will continue to, to adjust. And like you said, families make decisions while they're together, factoring in the fact that they're still a nuclear unit. But upon separation, things change, you know. And if they want more involvement, parenting time, there's more time to split, usually upon that, right? So at the end of the day, like history and care, like I just urge people to think a little more realistically about the arrangements. Just because that's been the arrangement doesn't mean it will be the arrangement going forward. So just keep an open mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, another big
1: one is the child's views and preferences. And of course, given due weight to age, maturity, um, where it can be ascertained. So I love when I can get a child's views and preferences. No, I'm going to. No, I don't always love it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um Yeah, the history, the views and preferences of a child are quite, in my opinion, depending on how old the child are very important. So, you know, the courts historically will look at a child usually of the age of 12 or more. I've had situations where if the child is mature enough and eloquent enough to voice their opinions, then even as young as eight to nine, 10 years old can be ascertained as long as the true views and preferences can be ascertained. Um, and, you know, the court, because the court, the, the children are not direct in terms of being able to participate in the court proceedings by, you know, being able to just testify about what they'd like or have, you know, documentation about what they really want, you have to get third parties to get in there to kind of ascertain what are the true Views and preferences of a child. Obviously, if a child is 15 years old and doesn't want to see mom and dad, it's going to be very difficult to throw a 15-year-old in the car and force them out the door. As if you are a parent, I'm sure you've even had difficulty doing that to a seven-year-old. So it's <laughs> going to be a little unrealistic. I've had um, you know, I've had clients come in that, you know, their children are definitely 14, 15 years old and they don't have a great relationship with the child. And, you know, expect that they're going to be the primary caregiver um, for this child who doesn't want to spend any time with them. And, you know, for me, I would probably look at more therapeutic interventions to repair the relationship before kind of seeking, you know, a parenting order. But the court is very reluctant to, you know, force a child of that age to, you know, go with mom or dad in that scenario. So they're they're quite important. They're not the only factor, but again, if they're old enough, it's an important factor.
1: Yeah. Davina. Yeah.
0: Uh, no, I
2: think uh, Shireen covered it really well. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Yeah. The
1: only thing I would I would add, honestly, yeah. And I think I take it from what you were you were saying, Shireen is in terms of you said the true views, and yes. I like that you use mm-hmm. that word because that's always a, a source of conflict, right? We're never really sure when it's true views versus it being coached. So, um, and there's ways around that. And then you said something else that I, I found interesting as well, which is the child, like kids not testifying in court. And I, I, and I think for those that are on uniniti- uninitiated initiated in the court processes, they think, well, yeah, my child is 12. They're going to come to court and they're going to say this and that, and that no, they're not. We're not going to let, let that happen. First and foremost, I don't think it's appropriate. And, um, but of course you're the parent so you might you might think so and i defer to you but they're not the judge is not going to defer to you because there's skills around interviewing a child and lawyers we don't have those skills so there's people with more of, um social work mental health background that help us ascertain the views and preferences of a child but if there's one argument that i've made one time too many it's to remind you know, parties at the courts that the views and preferences of a child is just one factor. I find that the older the child is, and I love the ages that she was throwing out because when they're old, like, older like that, well, 15, 16, honestly, I might start to throw in the towel a little bit, but when it's <laughs> yeah. like 10, when the child's like 10 yeah. and 12, like I know you, even if your views are clear and uncoached and is your opinion, respectfully, dear child, you may not know what's best for you. So if we're looking at what's in the best interest of the child, I appreciate the child's views, but it's only one factor. We still need to look at all the things we talked about, history of care, the child's needs, you know, the interest, um, stability for the child, maintaining and fostering those relationships that are important in the child's life. Those are all factors that are just as important as the child's um views and preferences
0: yeah like and I can spin it too in like a very simplistic way just to kind of illustrate like the age gap so for example if a you know an eight or nine year old wants to voice his his opinion respecting parenting and wants to live with mom because mom's the fun parent mom you know mom they have a great time together But dad has more stability, he could offer the child a stable schedule, maybe he's not been attending school in mom's care. So there's so many different factors. So in that situation, even if they got the true the true views and preferences of the child, they're not meeting the other factors, at least on the eligibility requirements of okay, what is maybe in this child's best interest is not to have fun parent, maybe to have fun parent you know, during the weekend and maybe live primarily with dad um, because he's able to offer the child, you know, amongst the non-exhaustive list, a better stable environment that would, you know, flourish his his welfare and things like that. So I thought that maybe that my illustration might help, but I don't know if it helped or hurt, but I'm sorry if I did hurt it a little, but hopefully, hopefully not. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, so let's talk about the next factor, which is um uh, the child's cultural, linguistic, religious, spiritual upbringing, um their the child's heritage, including um indigenous um uh, heritage. Um, I think this is an interesting one because i have had to actually believe this case um in our firm went all the way to the appeal to an appeal stage and it involved um a biracial a biracial couple and a maximum parenting time in that case kind of drilled down to the you know the importance of the child spending. Math, the same amount of time in both households. You know, there's been a, there's a lot of talk about race relations and things like that. Um, it's important, I, you know, for the child to be able to be exposed to both sides of of their of their heritage. So that's um, I think is an important factor, and it's something that weighs in um when we're, it's something that we that we would look at when looking at the best interests of the child. But I just it triggered um a memory of a, of a case that really you know, this became sort of the, the factor that was going to tip the scales one way or the other. And I, of course, thought it was very important for the child to, to have that exposure to, you know, both cultures, right.
0: Any thoughts, memories on that? (laughs) No, I just, I say this to say that, you know, every, every household is different. You know, if religion is a big part of this child's life, throughout you know the entire year and then not not just one year sorry throughout you know let's call it 12 years and you know maybe maybe upon the separation you know mom no longer you know is religious and dad wants to ensure that that religious views is continue because that's historically what the child i mean until the child's able to identify what a religion is based on them, but they're still minors. These are still, you know, decisions that need to be made and they're important in terms of upbringing. And I think based on, you know, the different races as well, in your example, is it's incredibly important, especially if you have different races for both children or both children, for both parties to raise a child that's adaptive to, you know, their identity, you know, both parents' identity, I should say.
1: Or no, I, I agree. Maximum principle in that, in that context would would um or or maximum parenting time i should say in in that context requires as much time again as is reasonably possible in the particular case i was thinking about for me it looked like spending 50 percent of the time with each other actually to be more specific it was more a week about so one week with one parent and the other week with the other parent and in one parent's household it involved you know exposure to cousins and grandparents and a large extended family The other home was a little bit more laid back and and all of that. And I think the child could benefit from sort of having those relationships, right? Yeah.
2: Absolutely. 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 Yes.
1: Okay. And um, well part of looking at the best interest of the child is any plans for the care of, of, for the child's care. So if you want to know about plans for a child's care, I I think we might've covered that in a previous um, topic. So that's something that would be considered. But when you're, when you start a court application, for example, you're required to kind of provide um, that information. But when we talk about just very briefly on child the plans for a child's care, well, if you have so during, during the pandemic, a lot of people um, placed a lot of um, importance on this factor because some people were able to work from home and those in the front lines almost appeared to be at a disadvantage because for, for nurses, doctors and people like that separating, it was almost like, well, he works outside the home and he you know, is a, exposed to COVID and I'm the better parent to, to have this child. And so that was, um, I mean, again, that wasn't just fact specific. It was time specific, (laughs) but fast forward, you know, a few months now with all restrictions dropped, I still hear people saying things like I work from home and I could take care of the child. And that might be fantastic. And it might save on daycare costs, but guess what? For some people, you know, daycare might be appropriate so they can get that um, exposure to I me. Mean, I don't know if you have anything to weigh in on that um, subject.
2: I do, actually. And circling back to the same file, um, uh, the courts do acknowledge that just because, well, yes, circumstances have changed dynamics of working from home, you know, and working in the office, they have uh, changed. But even when you're saying, oh, I'm working from home, I'm able to care for my child, uh. The judge or the court in that instance said, realistically, if you're working nine to five and if you're truly working, then how much time can you really truly put (laughs) towards caring for the child? Right. So you can't work a full eight hour uh, and expect that. Oh, I'm also going to care full time. My child doesn't need to go to the daycare that's not a good argument. Just because you're working from home uh, and you want maximum time with your child, you can't say, oh, I'm, I'm working from home. I can care for my child. No, you actually need to work during those eight hours.
1: I like that. I think I think you actually even touched on the next factor, which is the ability and willingness of each person to care for, because you're right. Like, it's so easy to just say, I work from home, but are you actually caring for the child? And so, you know, we have to look beyond sort of the surface. So your plan must also make sense. So I'm going to jump to the other factor, which is um, any, um what, sorry, no, this is still talks on the ability and willingness of each person with respect to which an order is made um to communicate and cooperate with the other um with the other parent on issues affecting the child. And I think it was Shirina kind of touched on this very early on. And this is pretty important because if you if you're going to have equal amount of time, it requires a certain level of cooperation. Actually, I, I'm going to walk that back a little because it depends again on age needs. And that's why these factors all kind of tied together. Mm-hmm. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, well, if we're talking about a child without special needs, that's say 12 years old, they might if a, a, a 50-50 parenting um, schedule might work better because if you're doing, say, pick up at school on Fridays or something, then it reduces the the parents kind of seeing each other. The child can maybe sometimes, commu- you know, take their books back and forth. Like it might actually be helpful. But then when you're, you're dealing with younger children, a week about is not necessarily encouraged. And then now you're dealing with just milestones and steps and details. So I don't know. Cooperation takes a whole life of its own. Shirin, any thoughts?
0: No, I, I mean, I agree. Like, I, it doesn't get beyond that. I, at the end of the day, like, you guys do have to cooperate. And like, and I mean, in terms of, like, sharing information that affects this child, like, you know, report cards, it's say, you know, there's issues with the school and there needs to be communication about, you know, steps to address behavioral issues or, you know, if there's medical concerns, you know, the ability to be able to communicate in a way and I don't want to there's such a thing as perfect parenting. If if so, I've never seen it. But um, in terms of just kind of being able to communicate the direct things that are affecting the child, obviously, those things would look different on a child, depending if they're infant or if they're older, you know, it it, it changes as things change. And again, on a case by case basis.
2: Yeah. Sorry, Tabina, it looks like you wanted to add something there. Yeah, Yeah, I just wanted to focus on the communication part. I think when you're looking to have maximum parenting time with your child, it's important that you are able to communicate with the other party. If you come and say, oh, uh, our communication is not good, we can't talk, uh, we're not respectful, well, then how are you you even going to try to, uh, you know, decision-making is a separate topic, but uh, you can't convince the court. Yeah. If, if your communication is not good, because you're going to be parents for these children for the rest of their lives. So you have to communicate, put your egos, put your aside and just focus and, and keep your topics and discussions, child focused. but communicate for
0: God's sake. You don't, you don't, <laughs> don't want to go through lawyers all the time. Exactly. And respectfully. Yeah. Yes. Respectfully. Yes. Be very mindful of your communications. We do see I them. Know. You know. and, if you, and if you do
1: want that maximum parenting time, but you don't want to encourage um, a relationship, so let's even say in a scenario where all factors considered, it might be appropriate. I'll I'll just say, Dad, it might be appropriate in this case for Dad to have the child primarily. But because it looks like you might not facilitate a relationship with mom, then you, the, 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 the scale kind of tips in favor of giving mom way more parenting time because it appears that you're not going to facilitate that relationship. You're not going to be cooperative, even if all other factors seem to be weighing in your, in your favor. So that's um, something that you want to be mindful, mindful of.
2: And sorry, Angela, just to add, if you have been early on in your stages ordered to use um, a third party application like app Close or Our Family Wizard uh, and say later on things are heated, even though sometimes we see in family law cases, they, they do die down. But, you know, if, if you're if it's a contested or contentious uh, issue, don't stop using that app still communicate right if you arbitrarily decide to oh i'm not gonna use it it's actually gonna make you look bad
1: yeah true exactly and well even if you do communicate by text we will get those text messages as yes. said <laughs> so um you know just kind of think about the fact that your your um emails your your texts and communicating through those apps or something that Lawyers and judges and multiple people are going to be looking over and yeah, just, just be cooperative, respectful. <laughs> if it's, if you don't want to see it all over the internet the next day, don't do it. You know what? That doesn't even count. Some people don't care, but we do. We care about you. We care about your family. We care about making sure that you have this, you know, the maximum amount of time, um, parenting time that is best for your family. So just listen to us and don't, don't say any wild stuff. <laughs> So the presence of family violence is a factor that the courts would consider in um looking at what's in the best interest of the child. Um and I know that Tabina, you touched on on this earlier in terms of you know, violence against a parent um versus against the child. Um and and those would be sort of clear-cut scenarios, obviously, if a child's been physically abused or whatever that's that's very clear-cut what Mm -hmm. how that should weigh into parenting I'm just gonna put it out there maybe there should be no parenting time at all in those circumstances but let's say um you know in this case it's one parent and I'm going to say the female just because a lot of family violence is mostly gender-based it happens to a lot of men and I do have a lot of male clients where this is a factor on our matters but just because predominantly the numbers are female. I'm going to say I'm she. So let's say we have a scenario where you know mom is being abused. Um, you know maybe verbally all the time, always put down emotionally, psychologically. It might have an impact on the parenting time that's being ordered simply because, you know, again we're talking in terms of communicating, cooperating. It might impact mom's ability to have a voice in this scenario. It might affect the dynamic of the family and sort of what the child is exposed to and things like that so I don't know if anyone wants to add something there but this really takes a vow for me from just semi-simple to takes it to a whole other level because it's and and the act does that as well like family violence is something that we need to take serious action against and there's you know various factors in the in the Divorce Act and the Children's um, Law Reform Act, where the courts are specifically mandated to look at these factors that deal with um, family violence, and um, and okay, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna blab, so I'm going to stop there because I do have a lot to say on that, but it has no place in society, and it's just disturbing when we hear you know certain news, and in our well. For us working in the justice system we want to be able to do our part to try to identify to try to um, think about it when we're crafting parenting plans and and we hope that judges are becoming more live to this issue not just on the basis of just have it was the child abuse were you a good dad while still being you know an abusive husband that may be the case, but I think it's a whole bigger conversation than that. And and it's been given the recognition it deserves.
0: Any thoughts? Or did I just yeah, like no, I, I believe that like at the end of the day, you know, it does have an impact on parenting. You know, even if the violence is directed to one party, if the children are exposed to that, it also there's a power imbalance, of course. You know, someone seeking shared parenting, but these parties cannot get along it's going to be very difficult. You know, they're, they're going to ascertain, okay, they're going to adjust the parenting, you know, because the kind of level of communication that's required when a parenting is shared is different than the level of parenting that the different communication that's required when, you know, it's alternate weekends. So at the end of the day, you know, if the children, you know, were directly even not, and I wouldn't say directly, but maybe they weren't the source of the violence, but, you know, they had seen it and psychologically, maybe they don't agree with it and they don't like you know i'm going to use your same gender example but you know maybe they don't want to spend time with that because as a result of you know years or you know consistent um exposure to that violence so all of these factors bleed into each other they're not kind of just okay one and done again because they're not exhaustive but yeah, family violence is very important and it does have an impact on parenting. It, but I, I want to say it by in the sense that if, you know, children were not exposed or children are young to the extent that they're not aware of the exposure and the violence is directed solely towards one party, it doesn't mean that dad won't have parenting time. You know, so again, it's taken on a case by case basis, but you want to be very careful in terms of how that violence impacts your situation what parameters can we p- put in place and you know how do we resolve the issues in terms of parenting but yeah I think I could also talk <laughs> on this issue as equally as long but we're going to move past
1: <laughs> so yeah and and the other two factors um kind of from the divorce act talk about the appropriateness of an order um you know when you're dealing with uh, and people being able to cooperate the ability and willingness of A person that's engaged in um gender um sorry family violence to care for, for them and meet the needs of the child. So, I'm just going to jump to the last one because I think we touched on those two factors, and it's any um civil or criminal proceedings, conditions or measures that are relevant to the safety, security, and well-being of. The child. So again, in this case, to kind of draw the distinction earlier, in this case, it's the wealth of the child, not necessarily of the parent. But do not be uh-huh. deceived. What affects the parent has an impact on the child because it's all you know. The child is part of a family unit. But yes, so have either one of you, and I know you have had um, any criminal proceedings kind of affect your family law matter.
0: Yes, um, most of the time there. I mean, it's sad to say that, like, if there are times where the the issue is directly with the child in an, an abuse situation where, you know, sexual abuse has taken place and there's a cr- separate criminal proceeding taking place. I've seen that, unfortunately, a few times. And of course, that's a relevant factor because they're not going to want to put, you know, the child in a very uncomfortable situation, especially while an ongoing you know, criminal proceeding is happening. Another issue is, um, you know, sometimes, you know, especially with older children, I find that sometimes they might engage in violent with violent behaviors with a parent and there may be charges laid, which means that there may be a no contact order between the parent and the child, which would undoubtedly Affect parenting, maybe never forever, but it, maybe it will. You just don't. You just don't know. So again, it's by case by case. Another factor is if, um, you know, there is a history of domestic violence or domestic incident where mom has a restraining order, but it does affect the well being of the child given that restraining order in place against the other party.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Tawinya. I mean, did you want to add anything to that? Or we're no, going
0: to I think,
2: yeah, covered it. Thank you.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I think so as well. So those are sort of, as Chirin keeps reminding us, the non-exhaustive factors when we're thinking yeah. of the best interest of the child. So we I'm just going to recap by saying, you know, there is the law is that you should have the maximum amount of parenting time that is consistent with the best interests of the child. And we've spent all this time talking about what, um, you know, we look at when we're talking about the best interests of the child. Now, we do agree that it's important. There's all this the social um, science studies, you know, support the fact that the child should spend as much time with each parent, but well, remember, that doesn't mean 50-50. It just means, again, as what is in the best interest of the child. There's no, imp- you know, there's no, um. what would be the word, presumption uh, that favors 50-50. Um, it's just, even though you might have been equal, even if both parties agree that they both took care of the child equally during the marriage, it's still not necessarily a, a, a presumption in your favor. It's what's in the child's best interest. So, um hopefully this kind of helps you if you're thinking through what parenting time would be best for your family and as always, if you have any questions, we're here to help. And that's bye for now. Oh, First, I want to shout, say a huge thank you to, to you ladies, because this was one of those days where we powered through. We, we had had sort of a discussion earlier on a separate topic. And, you know, this was a question that came to us. And we thought, you know what, this is pretty important. We want to put out this information out there. We hope we're helping families. It's truly our, our goal here to help make families' lives better. And we hope this helps in- a little way, it, you know, hopefully does that. So until next time, thanks, ladies, and bye,
2: everyone. Have a good night, everyone.
0: Bye. Thanks for listening and joining us in the AP Legal Zone. We hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find more episodes by searching AP Legal Zone on anywhere you watch podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast today so you can stay connected with any updates and get notified about any new episodes. Thank <music> you.